0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Life and Sport podcast, and we're joined by one of the most relaxed football players you'd probably ever, ever meet. Um, He played for, well plays still uh, f- from what I could research for Inter Lions, but he played a bit of time in Romania, a bit in Croatia and a bit in the A-League in Australia. His name is Daniel Georgievski. Thank you for joining me. I hope I didn't butcher your last name. How's your day going? Nice.
1: It's fine, man. Most people still do, so you actually
0: did pretty good. Um, no,
1: it's good. It's sunny outside. It's just
0: cold, but you know, just chilling. It's, it's warm in the sun, but cold in the shade. So that's exactly right. I totally get that. Um, first of all, obviously, I would start talking about your grassroots, but obviously, elephant in the room: the finals are on for the A League at the moment. Uh, obviously, Western Sydney went down to Sydney FC. We're down to the semi-final stage. Mariners play Adelaide United, who Mariners have just. Had the wood on them all season so far. And we've also got Man, uh, Man City, geez, Melbourne City taking on um, the... i fighting hard right now. Sydney FC. First of all, what are your thoughts on the semi-final? Who do you think could take it, like, is most likely going to win it all? And who's your dark horse?
1: Look, to be honest, when it comes to final, the season doesn't really matter. No. As um, you said there, um, obviously Central Coast have been in Adelaide all, all season round. And it all, all goes... It's nothing because it's a knockout stage. Remember, Melbourne City beat us when I was at Newcastle Jets three times that year. When he came important to the semi final, we beat him. So, Do you I think, think though experienced... that
0: the recent, like two weeks ago, massive win for the Mariners in Adelaide, even though as you said the home and away season doesn't really matter when it's finals, it's still a very recent win in the heads of both to- of both sides, sort of thing. No, of course, but honestly, like
1: I say, now that now Central Coast are going in, I guess. Even if Adelaide are the favourites, Central Coast yep. are going in with more confidence. And they've but had the week off. they had the week off as well. But again, like I say, it's, it's, it's finals. It's literally whoever up. turns up on the day. Well, that's it. And, you know, the pressure comes behind them. Central Coast have it in their head that, you know, we beat them a few weeks ago. They're going to lose. It's just, a, it's just a typical thing. And they're a young side. So when it comes to finals, it's purely experience yep. that will win it. That's why I would say even the Western Sydney Wanderers, they hadn't been in the finals even for years, and now they're there, and the first half they played amazingly. They did. Um, you know, they played very well, but then second half came, and Sydney FC, because they've been in the finals so many times, yeah. they just knew how to win it. And it's like, I'll just compare it to Real Madrid. What are they playing? But they always win, especially in the Champions League. So that's the comparison. It's a team that has the most experience and just has that winning mentality which they all believe they have during the season. But when it comes to prelims and semis and finals, it's, it's just purely experience.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. And so obviously with you uh, talking about the, it's all about experience and composure as well. Um, So who's your, you reckon will win it? And who's your dark horse? I think Melbourne City are going to win
1: it. Yep. They just have a style of play that just, they don't.
0: Like three premier plates in three years. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> They're like what you said before by mistake. The Manchester City, they're just they're just there. They've they've got it. They've got the right system in place, which took years to get there, and now they're not letting off and they're not letting any other distractions get in there. So if they're on their day, which they have been all season, uh, I don't see them losing.
0: To be Well, absolutely. I mean, if if the Mariners do end up winning the two-stage semi against Adelaide United it'll be the Mariners taking on Man City again. You watched the Champions League this morning, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. That and it's also, they're both the same conglomerate because they're city, Melbourne City, Man City. So, um, But also in saying that, if they play each other in the grand final, I am a Mariners Tragic. I apologise to anyone who's listening or watching. I am a Mariners Tragic, raised on the Central Coast. Um, and even I have to admit that we weren't great against the... Melbourne City to club a few weeks ago, like before finals. It was good, but I think in a grand final, even though we've got, you know, a few years of finals experience under our belt, Melbourne City will just have that edge and maybe 1-0 or penalty shootouts sort of
1: thing. Yeah, that's, that's a fair call. Look, Nick Montgomery's done amazing over there. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. You know, considering all the budgets and all the stuff that Mariners have been for years and even still to today, what he's been able to create there is phenomenal. So where they are, finish, where they finish second. It's it's just amazing, and that's why you want the dark horse, as you would yeah. say, to win. But and I'm always an, I'm always for the underdog. I just have to be realistic sometimes exactly. when it comes to this. We well, think Melbourne City had won the minor premiership, but then it came to the final with Sydney FC, and they crumbled.
0: Yeah, but they learned
1: from that experience, and I don't think Mariners have hit that experience yet.
0: Exactly. I was yeah. talking to Phil Moss the other day, and even he said. Like, he's a former Mariners coach, as everyone knows, and even he said "He congrats to Monty and what he's done over the last few years, got them in the finals after three spoons in a row, more or less, and he just believes there's still maybe one more year off winning it sort of thing, because as as you said, they need that somewhat of experience, so. Yeah, well, I guess we'll we'll see. Uh, Absolutely, but obviously this podcast is more an interview-based, so let's get started on talking about your... Uh, journey your football career, and it started. Well, didn't start, but your youth academy days started at Marconi Stallions. Um ah, it's a bit earlier than that. It, it was um, okay. Blacktown Demons. Okay, well, so, so reps. So they the junior. Years. They're the junior, like under tens, sort of days in Blacktown. No, no, no. So I started
1: playing when I was nine years old. So I was okay. just park soccer for two years, and then at that time, the system was reps. Not like you have your step and MP on now. And the reps started at eleven. Okay. So I was playing for Blacktown Demons for three years, and then I got cut. Um, went on a few trials. I sucked. I just didn't know how to deal with it, and okay. I got a trial at Marconi, and did well. The coach brought me in, and that was it. I was there for four
0: years. Yeah. Wow. That's a really interesting. And as, as you said, you didn't handle being cut like well. Um, obviously, it's it is a very hard thing to take, especially given you were probably a starter for quite a few years at that time um so talk us through that you know you were quite young at the time how did you deal with with being cut well when i was
1: when i was playing the 11s i was one i was in the in the team photo i was standing in the back so i was one of the taller ones and then those next two years obviously had a bit of growing pains as you do the shin splints knee ankles all that stuff and under 13s i was sitting at the bottom when it came to the to the um photo and i think my growth kind of wasn't there, but that just meant it probably wasn't more of a wake-up call to work harder. Mm-hmm. And I know my dad and even my brother helped me out with that. We were just training, training, training. I remember I went to Parramatta Melita, or yep. Parramatta Power, went to a trial. Man, I was thinking, oh, yep. and my dad lost it at me. He goes, why am I taking you if you're going to play that poorly? Um, wow. Considering it was like 14 versus 14, so it was just a trial to say there was a trial. And, yep. and I just kept working hard. I didn't let that, you know, wasn't an excuse. I think I learned that as a young age. Don't blame something that you have control over. Mm-hmm. And I just worked, 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 there and went into a trial. It was just me and another player. And I obviously just killed it with just a conditioning session, I guess it was. And I was ready for it. The coach picked me, Pam who's a TD at Marconi now. Um, and, yeah, picked me. And we um, obviously those three years at Demons, we had won it every year. Yep. And then Marconi weren't up to that level. And then the next four years I'll, with Marconi, I was either minor Premiers or grand final winners or both, so yeah, winning wow. successful teams. Well, and
0: Marconi are doing well now. They they just recently beat Sydney Olympic four uh, two, playing an away game as well against Sydney Olympic. Um, yeah, so there's definitely that um, winning culture and sort of thing around Marconi. And um, my my next question is obviously you went from Marconi to Dynamo Zagreb. Um, what I'm probably said that very wrong. Uh, what was like? <laughs> It's dinner. What was it like going from Marconi in Australia all the way over to Croatia?
1: Well, when when I was playing in the under-20s, it was the reserves, I was 17, 18 actually. 17,
0: 18 playing under-20s, wow.
1: Yeah, well, that's how it was. It was um, if you you finish 16s and if you're 17, you're playing for the 18s and then you play for the reserves. Yep. And um, I think that was 20s, I believe it was. Yeah, like, something like that. So at that time, I got called up for playing for Macedonia i mm-hmm. um, juniors, under the 19s. And what
0: was that like, getting called up to represent your heritage?
1: Um, I actually have no idea. Um, I think not knowing what to feel and not knowing what to expect kind of helped me out. Um, okay. Nowadays, kids know way too much. Yeah. Um, so I just went there, thought I knew Macedonian until I actually went there and realized I speak. You got humbled.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I
1: remember the first first camp, I had to write my name, but in the Macedonian alphabet. Oh, wow. and i went up to the room got my passport and i came down sweating because i'm like the boys are going to laugh at me and one of the other my roommate who actually knew english he goes i'll write your name down anyway i was like oh thanks man. i couldn't even spell my name in, wow. in the language so i know it was just football i always say football has its own language you don't know the language that well but you just you're just moving on it's football yeah. in itself you're just motivated and always wanted to play and um, the first call up i did I got, sorry, it was with them. Um, we played against a first division team in Macedonia and that uh-huh. was versus Bulgaria, which I did very well in. And then they called me back two months later to play in the Euros. Oh, wow. And in the Euros qualifier was Portugal, Israel and Croatia. It was that would have Croatia. been tough
0: going up against Portugal.
1: Yeah, um, it was actually, we drew the first two games. So okay. that last game, if we had won, we would have qualified for the actual Euros, which yeah. had never been done in Macedonian history before. Unfortunately, I think right at the end we lost, uh, but I actually had a great tournament and that's where an agent came and spoke to my dad and he goes, look, end of the season, let me know what you guys are doing, I'll get you a trial at Haidook or Dinamo. Yep. And I had no idea what either of those two clubs were. And, but I was still playing at Marcani and I was happy there and they pretty much, at the end of the season, said we want you to still stay in the reserves and I was like, well… I feel like I, I, I can do better. A League just started as well. Yep. So I was like, man, I'm nowhere near this. Cause my whole youth development, I wasn't in the AIS, I wasn't in football New South Wales, I wasn't in any of these, yep. these, I guess, elite programs sort of thing. Yeah. Institutions. Yes. So I was like, you know what? Stuff this. I'm I'm still playing for Macedonia. I was I did well in the tournament. Then it was my generation for the under 19s. You know, let's just let's give it a crack. Yeah. And that's pretty much what it was. Um, I had a horrible trial. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I got a call on Friday. My dad's like, get here. We have to go Sunday. Your flight's out there. We land Monday. You've got a trial on Wednesday. And I said, cool. Let's, let's go um, figure it out. I remember falling asleep on the bus on the way to the game. It was, I was in no shape to do it. Yeah. And they pretty much said, you sucked, um, which made sense because I did. And um, they said, there's another trial. There's another friendly game in two weeks. So this is the first team in the juniors. Yep. You were go there or – Know it doesn't matter, and I remember my old man asked me, He goes, What do you want to do? I go, like, Well, I was in absolute tears making this decision. I was like, Well, let me give this a crack, yeah. Um, and I remember calling my mum, I said,
0: I was gonna say, Was part of the deciding factor to give it a crack? The because some people say I, I did it because I wouldn't have I wouldn't be able to deal with later in life wondering what could have been. Was that one of the deciding factors, sort of thing, for that?
1: Well, you get one opportunity. Yeah, um, and that's exactly right, and that's what frustrates me with the kids nowadays. It's like, um, you know, I'm homesick, or, or it's some silly excuse. It's like, no, yeah, like, you know, you have, in rule of life, you have to go down a step to go to to take two steps forward, exactly. and I don't want to do it. And I took about four steps backwards, to be honest. Yep. Um, you know, and it was just, it was just like I said, and I was always will say it's because I didn't know what I had, to, what was expected. Yes. You know, what was, what was in front of me, learning the language, figuring all this stuff out at 18 when all my mates are partying and I'm here training twice a day, every day for a year. And I did not key. I just said, you know what? If you don't give it a crack now, you never know what's going to happen. And I always will say, because my dad always said, it, he goes, if you have to do it or you don't want to do it, the shovel's waiting for you back at home because we had a concrete company. So yep. I don't do concrete, man. <laughs> I don't think
0: anyone does.
1: No, no, look, he put, he put food on our table, my dad, That's true. He, he did, um, he did well in that, in his business, he just retired, so, oh, wow. you know, it was like, i want to do that, or do this, and I wasn't really motivated in school, yeah. and you know, I was in a TAFE course for just, you know, just to say I'm in a TAFE course, to be honest, yeah. and, and, I was like, you know what, stuff, let's give this a crack, and it was either, my mum just said, oh, well, I'll be back in a couple of weeks, or I'll be back in four months, into December, and, um. I, was, I stayed eight years. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
0: very yeah. much. Because yeah. you ended up um, from going from Dynamo, you went to, I'm going to probably butcher this team's oh. name as well, um, Medimura? <laughs> Medimurja? I don't know how to say it. Medmerge, I don't know. Oh, I wasn't going to
1: say anything until you actually tried to pronounce it. Yep. It's uh, So Medimuria, okay. Um, yeah, that was my first professional contract. And what was that like? Um my first time going into the change room it was hot and i was like what the hell is this man it was like in the middle of nowhere and um, i learned the Croatian language in Zagreb. so i was just reading a thesaurus watching shows and just learned that way and just you have no option you can't speak english because even yeah. the players that knew english deliberately to me in english
0: oh wow okay yeah it was
1: um it was tough in the youth system over there but and they used to hide my boots and crap like that. I just said, "Yeah, well, look, you know what? You're not going to break me. I'm yep. giving this a crack," and that was it. Um, and I went there, and I, I knew the language until I met two players that were good mates. They're both from the town in Chakovitz, and they couldn't understand each other because <laughs> one lived on the Hungarian border, one lived on the Austrian border. Oh wow! And I am. Yeah, so their languages. And that was only 10k's apart. So yep. I'm figuring out this language. I've learned so that I can speak fluently. And that just brought me back to reality. I was like, I looked at my phone, and in Europe, if you're in a different country, like it has a different... Dialect. Culture, whatever sort of. it is. Yes. And I look at my phone, I go, am I in Croatia, man? Like, where, where the hell am I? Like, this, is, <laughs> this was just abnormal. But again, I just took it in my stride, and I just said, you know what, I'll give it a go. The captain in my position was a guy that came from Bundesliga. Okay. So I had no chance of playing, but I said, no. Nah, to work hard and then six months later i took his position and he retired
0: oh wow
1: so yeah i worked i worked hard but it was just more i was just motivated
0: it was the grind It even though it was a grind it was as you said it if i'm a big believer of no matter what it is whether it's sports whether it's if you are absolutely dedicated and you absolutely want the best outcome for you in that whatever respective field it is you'll dedicate as much time whether it's a hundred percent of your time but you know to to get it done and you absolutely did that over in croatia by the same well not just in croatia before that in my, with marconi with blacktown and it's it is testament to the old saying that you know hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work and we're not even halfway through the um you know, the, the journey of your career. And it's amazing to hear that you had such a a work ethic from the start, because sometimes some players, they don't really learn that work ethic until, you know, halfway through their career, you know, when they've been to four or five clubs. And it's great to hear that you had such a, um, yeah, work ethic, which would have probably, and definitely been instilled from your father with his business and whatnot. Um, and obviously you went from Meji I'm not even going to try and Don't say it again. Try, Don't even try. Yeah. And then I'm going to probably butcher this one. The next one was Ch- Chebenik or Sebenik? Chebenik. I was close. I was Closer. Close. <laughs> I was and close. And what was it like going from the previous club to that club?
1: Um, so I was three years in Mejimori. I obviously even got relegated. I had to stay due to contracts that I had no idea what I was signed because it wasn't in English. At the state, then we got promoted, I was captain of Medjimoria, so here I am as a 21-year-old, I think it is, I think I was, still playing for the Macedonian national team. That's the one thing that kept me in Europe, because
0: it puts you on a different platform. Yep. Uh, and scale it you scale have been closer promoted. to Macedonia than flying from Australia.
1: Well, yeah, well, if I went to Australia, they would never have called me. It's yep. not a, you know, I wasn't that good of a player, and it's not that rich of a country or a federation to, to pay for flights, so... It was more stay in Europe because Macedonian national team is keeping me there. Yep. So, being 21, I was captain of the side. We got relegated again, which finished my contract. I also had to pay my own contract with the money they owed me um, because, because they could ask for a training compensation under FIFA ruling. Really. Okay. So, oh, they took that money straight away. Don't you worry. They, they didn't say no to that for a piece of paper. And then I was. I was just waiting around, um, obviously 21, playing standard, you know, all that stuff and there was a few interests for more um the, the western side of Europe, which is you know, Belgium and all that stuff, but everything just kind of fell through and, um, and then Shibini came calling and they had finished third that, that previous season, they were playing Europa League qualifiers and they sold two players, it was, it was definitely a place for me to move forward and when I got there it was already like, the season had already started. So I, I did wait quite a bit. I was pretty much unemployed for quite a bit in that way. And um, I got there and the club started turning shambolical financially. and
0: oh, uh, wow. Yeah, a lot, a lot of
1: missing money from those transfers. Gotcha. Um, yep. And yeah, it was a bit interesting. But again, I didn't use that as an excuse. It wasn't, no. wasn't money-based. It wasn't that much at the end of the day. It was more just try to make it to a certain And progressing
0: place. your career as well.
1: Yeah. And, um, I remember my dad called me once. He said, I know someone that for the a league and I said, no, I'm not, not ready for that yet. I don't think I'm not six. I'm not done what I want to do in Europe. Pretty much what I want to do in Europe. I had no idea. I just feel like I, I wasn't, I wasn't at a level that I was happy to come home. Yeah. And shivering came knocking, but we almost got relegated the first year. Um, and then my, I finished with under-21s with the national team. I was over the age. And that year, there was pretty much um, not much happening, that, that first year of Sibenik in the national team part. And then season two came, and the coach was changed for the national team, and a new guy came named John, John Toshak, who was a Walshman. He um at Liverpool legend when he played. He was coach of Real Madrid years before, and it was quite bizarre someone of that high talent to yeah, yeah, manager, absolutely. Coach of Macedonia, And he gave me the call-up, um, which was great. And club level, we were struggling all year. But I took that opportunity and first game against Russia in Moscow, I, I was just happy to be on the team. I was starting. And yeah. that started another journey to being on a different platform.
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. And then obviously from there you went to Romania, played for Bucharest. Um, what was it like playing? You know, so that first name, the first one? Uh, I'm okay. I'll try and do it. Um, Stelia. Stella. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um. So that I team. <laughs> laugh at that one. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's fine. Um. How'd you go? What? Well, that's the thing. I'm learning as well. That way, I don't butcher it next time. So I actually appreciate that. Um. So with that club in Romania, obviously you've gone from Croatia to Romania, which are. Very different nations, obviously. Still in Europe, but obviously every nation is so different as you just previously mentioned. What was it like going from Croatia to Romania? When I'd signed, I had
1: options to go to Ukraine as well, which I didn't want to, and I decided to stay in stalin That's a long, long story. But I remember when I got there, I went straight into, the next day it was a medical test, mm-hmm. um, which, unlike here in Australia, those went for like seven, eight hours. I checked the eyes, they your eyes, ears. They checked, they checked everything. Checked, everything man everything um from the waist up um and then from the thighs down obviously yep. and it was just um they check absolutely everything and i, I remember i was longer than expected Had to get an mri because i have a bone sticking out of my knee from when i was a junior and the doctor believed i was because some players obviously say i'm, I'm well they sign and then they're not well so insurance purposes and all that and they were trying to break pretty much my knee because that's what they thought it happened to my knee, but I was actually perfectly fine. So that took another couple of hours, and then signed the contract. The next day, we flew out to Vienna, to Austria, sorry, somewhere in the mountains. I days in training. So I didn't know what the club was. I didn't know how big it was. I didn't know the city, anything like that. I remember the coach after, like, the first session I did, they pushed me that hard, that I even pushed myself even harder to throw up. Um, and I was, you know, I was, I was ready and but not ready mentally because i didn't yeah. know what was expected of me. And i remember like two days before we went back to romania the coach goes you've got no idea where you are <laughs> and i said no nah. he goes you'll learn fast son and that was it and when we got back it was hot i didn't know where i was staying i was in some bloody hotel and i was like what the hell am i doing you know like people spoke english but I was, were, they I
0: was, a bit, were they a bit more lenient with the english than uh um, yes, yes, yeah, if you're going back
1: in history, it was a communist country and everyone opened the Western world to them. So everyone spoke English, which helped me massively because I yeah. didn't learn the language. Um, well, not a little bit, but not enough to get around yeah. at the time. And um, yeah, it became surreal. I think once we had a friendly game before the start of the season, and there were just fans everywhere. People knew who you were. I was in the newspaper because I sat down with a teammate or well, it was my roommate. And I had a Sprite on the table and the paparazzi took a photo of it and said, like, the coach wouldn't be happy you drinking Sprite. And I was like, in the newspaper. I was like, yeah. what the hell? Like, who cares? Yeah. But that's how full on it was. I always try to find controversies and all that. So I had to learn. That's but what you said. like
0: the, the news in Australia for sport. All they do is negative, negative, negative until a team wins something. It's-
1: well, that's it. But they go to the players.
0: They, um, oh, that, they,
1: they look at your personal life. And the club... Oh, that's know, too you. far, in my opinion. Yeah, it was. And, you know, it was the biggest club in the country. And, again, you, like you said, you'll figure it out. And, man, we had paparazzi following us everywhere to training, to your home, to, you know, you couldn't... You were more. literally
0: a, a superstar club. Yeah, and I still had no idea. I just figured <laughs> I was
1: the kid from, from the West. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't care. I didn't look at that stuff, you know. Six years in Croatia, I didn't look at that, let alone here. But I did have to learn very fast. But we had games every three, four days. So, yeah, it slowly, slowly started getting better. We, got, we qualified for the Europa League and playing for the national team. And, you know, I was on a high.
0: Yeah, nice. And then obviously you decide, well, I'm guessing you decided I'm ready for A-League when someone comes knocking and Melbourne Victory offer. Or was there a whole debacle with contract sagas and stuff between, you know, Bucharest and, and Melbourne Victory? No, nah, there wasn't. So my contract um, finished um, in Romania. I was, um, I guess,
1: iced out from the team for the last four or five months. The owner went to jail. so was. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a big uh, big crap. So he loved me. And then out of the blue, he's one that decided I'm not going to play. So my last pretty much game was playing on Stamford Bridge versus Chelsea. In
0: oh, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty special.
1: But then the next six months,
0: yeah, I've broken my leg,
1: I took the plate and screws out, et cetera. I come back, I'm fit. He put, they put me as a 19th player out of an 18-man squad that can go into the team for the next six
0: months. At, compared to a starting 11 as well. Like that's Oh, yeah, yeah. So you're ready for,
1: to be on the bench at least or to play and I'm in the grandstand for the next six months. Not go home, stay in, and go in camp. Not,
0: not even really keeping match fitness either or getting match fitness back because you're on the bench mainly.
1: No, hundred percent. And then they put me on the last game of the season because we had won the league, um, played a full game, and then three days later, I think two days later, we had a cup. We had the cup final, yeah. and they started me. So not playing for six months, and then oh, this is even worse. And it took me yeah. off for the fourth minute. Yeah. Didn't even wait till halftime. So the brutality of Europe. That's what it is. It can break you. Oh,
0: and absolutely. I didn't
1: give a shit to be pretty honest i just was happy that i'm doing something that i love
0: yeah you like just happy to be here yeah it's, it was negative all around me
1: but i said man i always had a smile on my face i think they'll probably think look at this stupid kangaroo maybe he's that like, pissed him off even
0: more <laughs> he's happy
1: and he's smiling even though we're kind of icing him out We're we're not putting him in the team and i just didn't care i was just happy to be there i was happy to train every day i was happy to play when i could yep. i was just not it's all trusting the process 100% it's part of it's part of livelihood. So then that had finished. Um, we had a national team game and then I was deciding where to go um, I didn't I decided early on. I didn't want to stay in Eastern Europe anymore okay. Because in those eight years obviously the club hadn't paid me shipping I didn't get paid for 12 months I had to go pay my own way out. I had to go through court um, through the club and then Stella didn't decide not to pay me for five months. So it was all these debacles and I was like, man, I'm done with Eastern Europe. And yeah, they were the
0: political to an extent, really.
1: I was only 26. I'm like, really, this is what a twenty-six year old's supposed to do, considering you know what it is. But I said, who cares? It is what it is. But yeah. I decided early I'm not staying in Eastern Europe. So I had Ukraine, Russia, Bulgaria, I had offers on the table. But I just said no. Like I, yeah. I was I was done. I was focusing on the Eastern Europe. And you'd spent a majority
0: Western. of your career at this point in Eastern Europe. So you're absolutely um, understandably yeah. like it's okay if you want to go because you've spent majority of your career over there anyway at this point yeah well my
1: whole professional career is over there and I said Demi I want to go sus the west out and obviously playing for Macedonia playing just coming off a Champions League campaign I pretty much narrowed it down to one club that showed a lot of interest it was Mainz okay yep um, the captain was a Macedonian player as well it was
0: might play next to me and i was right back here that, right that would have definitely helped if you were to have gone there like uh, the transition
1: yeah yeah well it wasn't just that it was i always wanted to play in germany i always thought my football style like i used to be extremely fit and run a lot and that was my style i thought i could play. That there. definitely would have
0: suited the bundesliga 100
1: percent. but i just wanted that opportunity so i literally just said no to everything there was a few little interests in belgium but the reason why I say there was a play there because there's a lot of agents in this time talking a lot of crap and, you know, making you sign all these authorizations so they can speak on your behalf. And then there's random people using your own signature against you. It was, it was just an absolute political fight over something so silly. And, yeah. and when I called him and he goes, oh, no, I spoke to the director. They are interested. So I was like, you know, it's actually not. It's actually true. Yeah. So I asked everything out. And this was in the Brazil World Cup 2014. So okay. well, they just said it's pretty much between you, I pretty much made the list of two, and one fullback playing for Chile at the World Cup, yep. but we have to wait for the campaign to finish. So, in that month of the World Cup, I was just chilling, partying, training, Yep. just chilling. Enjoying um, life at that point. Well, yeah, after the crap I had endured, I was like, oh, I might as well enjoy absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and um, which I did, and yeah, at the end of the World Cup, they called and said, sorry, we bought the Chilean player for 8 9 or whatever, whatever the hell it was, it didn't really matter. I was like, oh shit, what am I going to do now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, some of, the, some of the, you know, those other leagues that started and I'm like, what am I doing? Got an offer in Macedonia and I was like, yeah, nah, I'm not, <laughs> not don't, want, don't want to. And I was literally just training with where my mum's from in Macedonia, it's called Shtip, there's a club there playing the first division I was just training with them every day and just just weighing up my options, seeing what to do. And out of the blue, an agent from Australia called. I said, okay, um, didn't dig his vibe. He said, no victory. I was like, oh, okay, so it's in Melbourne. And he goes, oh, there's two teams. I was like, I had no idea about the A-League. Um, I found the bizarre. There's clubs called Victory and War and all this stuff. It was, you know, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, and didn't dig the agent's vibe, called another bloke that helped me out. He's an agent. Years before, during this whole political stuff. Uh And yeah, he pretty much said, yeah, Musk is going to call you. I said, oh, yeah, so did the other bloke. He said the same thing. And there's Musk in two minutes, give me a call. You know, I'm interested. What are your thoughts? What do you want to do? This is what it is. And I was like, well, give me me 48 hours. Um, Let me think about it. Let me decide what I want to do. Um, Muskie didn't stop calling me in those <laughs> twenty four hours. He was like messaging me, you know? and I'm the top. I don't like pe- let people hanging. And I said, look, Musky, give me give me give me a minute. You know, yeah. give me give me a day or two. Like, At least it showed so he was you. keen. Sorry.
0: At least it showed he was keen on you.
1: Well, that's what I really that's what really pushed me over the line as well. He, he was keen. He goes, I need a left back. Oh, he actually didn't tell me that. He told me that when I landed, and yep. I said, look, I booked the flight. That'll take 24 hours. Give me another 24 to pack my suitcases and pretty much give everything away. And I rocked up to Melbourne with two suitcases three days later. Wow. I just said, I'm done with Europe. Um, And that was it. And then he told me I need a left back um, (laughs) for the team. And I was always playing right back. I go, yeah, Yeah. I'll figure it out.
0: Yeah. No, that's fair enough. And obviously, so started your A-League journey, really. You know, Victory, Jets, Wanderers, City, many, many clubs, which is great to see. Like, And obviously, first thing I've got to ask, I've interviewed a few players, and some of them have played in Europe, some of them haven't, etc. cetera. Um, the ones that have said the difference mainly on play style is it's a lot more technical over there compared to a lot more physical here. Um, how did you personally adjust to the um, play, style, play style differences from Europe in the into the A League,
1: I found there was a lot of unnecessary running here in Australia. Yep. Um So best best examples, and I was at both worlds. I went to the national team while I was playing a Victory. Yep. And when I went and played, I found it easy in Europe. I found it easiest, well, I guess, than the A League because obviously, yes, the heat factor and all this stuff, but there was a lot of unnecessary running in Australia. Like I can read the game. That's what they teach you in Europe. Like you can yep. read it. You don't have to be in this position. If you're not in that position and you get caught out, you have to answer the question why you got caught out. But when you've been playing at a higher level, you kind of know you don't have to do that running. And Australia, I remember Musky at the time, oh, you always have to tuck in. I go, mate, unless it's David Beckett, the ball's not getting behind me. Yeah. I, I can just read the body part and read two passes ahead because I was playing in Champions I played with against Literally, the yes, Europa Cup. So I kind of know, and no disrespect to the Ali, there weren't players at that level. And um, there were, but again, it was a different ball game. And I would know to read the game, read the play. And that's what that taught me over there. That taught me at, uh, when I moved to Dinamo Zagreb at a young age. That's what it is. So learning that process coming here, yes, the physical part, it was just so much running, yep. um, unnecessary running, I would say. But I think that first year of victory was just tops, which, you know, we implemented our own style because it was yep. four, four of us that came from Europe as well. So implemented our own style into the team and it just moulded perfectly. But, yeah, that person that told you that, that's exactly right. It's more technical. It's more, you know, it's physical. Yeah. But why are they still running the 90, 90 second minute sprinting like dogs? Like the first minute in Australia, they die out in the 70th. It's because of that. And, you know, it, there's a lot of fluctuation in the league because there's so much running, heavy running involved. And the ones that get it, they stand out in the A-League. And, yes,
0: No, that's absolutely fair enough, and obviously you did stand out in the A-League as well, because while you were at victory, um, you guys made a grand final, unfortunately losing, but you got the Joe Marston medal, which is man of the match, to anyone who may not know, um, in a losing grand final side, which is a very niche thing. It very rarely happens, like in the NRL, it's only happened three or four times that a player from the losing side has got the Clive Churchill. Um, What was it like? Was it bittersweet sort of thing to receive that medal?
1: Well, it was my last game for victory. So I decided to sign uh, Newcastle Jets, who we were doing pretty well at the time. There was a Chinese owner. So I was thought, you know, this is the way to get into the Chinese-Asian market. Yep. I was enjoying it. I was engaged um, at the time. And that's what I thought for Newcastle. And then when I signed, they ended up finishing last. So that kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the yeah. best decision. And here I am playing a grand final. So it, I, I loved Melbourne. I loved um, everything about it. I loved the teammates. Um, and what had happened was that, was that was my last game. So I was enjoying it and no pressure on me. I knew what my, my destiny was for the next year, which, like I said, had never happened in Europe. I was always waiting and whatnot.
0: And was it, was it um, comforting to know the, the next step more so, a bit more like so that way you could really just focus on your football a bit more?
1: Yeah, because you enjoy your football. When, you, when I always say, when you cross over that line, everything outside that line is irrelevant. When you're yeah. on the field, rugby, whatever it is, nothing else matters because the outside world is hard. It's harder yeah. than on the field. And if you can exclude that from the field, then you're playing your sport. Yeah. When you come off the pitch, reality hits. Yeah. So that's where I knew how to differentiate the two. And um, I, was more, I was enjoying it. my outside was working. Everything was fine. We knew what we going to be. And those last two months, I was... I was just in fine form. I was enjoying it. And we get to the final, and it was my last game for the club. And, you know, we're playing in Sydney, so my family were all there. Fiance and all my mates from Melbourne came down and um, came up, sorry, to Sydney, and we went to the field. I think it was Allianz. Yep. Man, and the field was shocking. I think there was an NRL game before that.
0: There would have been, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, it was, it was a, a panic. Yeah. And Sydney FC at the time were flying high. That was like their golden football, yeah. just had, they were just amazing, right? And I saw that field, I like, man, this is going to be a dogfight. And mm-hmm. from the first minute, I just said, just defend well, and that's it. And literally all of their play were trying to targeting me because they thought my defense wasn't that good. Yep. I won every ball. I yeah, you did. <laughs> hard. I did. I just had a good game, but I was smiling and having a good time at the same time. Yeah. Um, it just felt like I was a kid. I mean it, it went to it penalties. It
0: court. went to penalty shootouts. So like it proves that you guys really did defend well. Man, yeah, I was
1: spewing, I didn't score, I didn't get a penalty shot. Obviously they had the, the list of plays the day yep. before. And I went, I go, look, I'm confident enough to play I had a great game. Confidence is go for a penalty. Didn't get it. We lost. Do you reckon then, if you'd have been given one you would you would have won? I don't know, probably. <laughs> I am pretty sure I would have scored. Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> It's just that I was in confidence, right? There was yes, which is good. Trying out and look, penny shoot shootout, it doesn't really matter what, what's what. It, it was a great match. It was a great thing. But I think at the end, it's, the, you know, it's a split half a second decision. A goalkeeper might read the right way or a player misses it or whatnot. So it's either hero or zero. And I wasn't yep. in, in either. So then I remember we went to our fans. Sydney FC were you know, going hard with their fans. We went to our fans, cut them off. And some lady came to me. I was with my nephews. Mm-hmm. I like, go oh, you have to go on the stage and I was like oh so all the boys are going she goes oh no you I'm like why just me what did I do wrong <laughs> yeah you know? and I was with my nephew she goes oh you're getting something and I was like oh I was getting some cash money yeah sweet. <laughs> a, a nice check yep I was going on holidays I go all oh, right fair enough you know I don't know what it was um and I took my nephews with me um and they go on stage and they go you're not gonna do a speech I'm like, what am I what am I doing on stage? Oh, all the boys, everyone's still, you know, with their friends and family in the other side of the field. And then they go, oh, you're getting this award. Go, oh, sweet. You know, it was, it was nice. Yeah, You know, it was, it was. you lose. Last game for the club that, you know, I, I, wanted, I, I could have had the option of potentially even staying there for the rest of my career. But I always said, you know what, while you're young, while it's football, go and experience other cities, other towns, yeah. other countries. You know, if you stay in one spot, you don't know what can come from it, you know. And um, that's why I went to Newcastle, then Wanderers, then Melbourne City back again. And I loved Melbourne. I wanted to live there and everything. But I said, you know, let's let's give this a go. And, um, yeah, it was a bit surreal because I had to do a press conference after. And I don't know whether it's a smile or, you know, Muscle was spewing because we lost, as was I for our teammates. And they go, how do you feel? I go, well, you know, I'm only one with this medal. I go, from my team, it kind of isn't the best feeling. you know." Happy for being awarded this, but you know, you rather win another final. Um, and being the last game, you want to leave another legacy. Yeah, this is more of an individual legacy, you want to leave a legacy for team. Yeah. But then, yeah, and then after that, we, you know, we got past, Muskie goes, mate, you should still be here. I said, Look, water under the bridge. You know, I asked them a few months ago, couldn't give me an answer. That's why I moved. You know, it is what it is. Um, yeah. and they finished last, so that's why I was like, Why are you still going? But I said, no, I've made that decision. I'm sticking by it, you know. I'll see you next season. And then the next time we played him, I scored a goal, which <laughs> but, you know. But then we lost the grand final to him, so it sucked. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, Wow. All right. Then obviously you went over to the Jets, and as you said, you loved each city and town that you played at. Um cool. obviously Newcastle is a massively different vibe compared to Melbourne. Um it's, a, it's obviously known as the Steel City. It's definitely a industrial-type city. Um, it's actually the largest non-capital city in Australia. Uh, fun little fact to anyone who's listening. Um, so my question about that is, what was it like, obviously, going up, or you could say jetting off to Newcastle? Um, so I only knew
1: Honeysuckle, that area, which everyone, all the tourists know. Um, and then I remember I went up once just by myself, and I drove around, and I'm... Um, so this area called Merriweather.
0: Yeah, like, oh, Merriweather is lovely.
1: Oh, I, I've got to live here
0: Oh, the beach <laughs> yeah. area. Oh, so nice.
1: Dude, we found an apartment right across the street from the beach on top of the hill. Um, yes. Right in between Bar Beach and that. So yeah, yep. I can always say it was absolutely like a holiday. It was beautiful. The people are beautiful. It was so chilled. Yep. It's that coasty vibe, but it's like, a, it's, I call it like a, a big town, small city. It is. It is, yeah. and bustle, a little bit, but everyone's just chill. Everyone's it's no when,
0: exactly, it's busy, but it's not as busy as Sydney or Melbourne.
1: Well, maybe like one street in Newcastle is busy.
0: That's it, and it? it's Hunter Street, and that's about it.
1: <laughs> that's it. So when I saw that, and I, I told my wife, and oh, she was my fiance, we're getting married the next year. Uh, we're going to live here. She goes, well, if you can find something, I go, I'm, I'm searching. Don't you worry. And yep. we found this place, and man loved it, right across the street from the beach. I'm not a big fan of the beach, but it was beautiful. And a yeah. at the beach is not the best. I can't swim that well. So, Fair well, at, at,
0: least, at least there's the, the Merryweather baths as well. So, you don't actually have to go into the ocean. Nah, man, the
1: water's too cold. I don't like
0: yeah. it. Fair <laughs> enough. Feels like I'm going
1: Probably. to work, going to an ice bath. But no, it was beautiful. You know, you go and swim, you go and enjoy. It. You're still there for a job, but you appreciate life more than just football. Um, you know, just the basics of football. You know, when you go in these cities, you're always—it's like a rat race. You're always doing something. You're always all that. And football's always—you know—trying to make the fans happy, trying to make everyone happy. And Newcastle just kind of makes you step back and go, you know what? If I can t- turn that switch on and off, it's a great combination. And that first year with Ernie Merrick and the boys that came, we—it was so much fun because we all clicked again, like Melbourne know, Victory the first year. Yep, and I had a little stack for myself because when I went to Romania, we won it two years in a row. The club hadn't won it for eight years. Yep. Went to victory, they hadn't won it for seven years, and I won it the first year. So here I'm at the Jets, we're in the final. I go, like, man, I can do a trifecta here. Like, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it might happen. Bloody VAR screwed us, but <laughs> it was still. Um, it hurt. It hurt me the most for the fans. Because, you know, it was the first time a final was in Newcastle. You know, it was an absolute amazing spectacle. And for something that was non-football related, it was technology to kind of ruin that game.
0: But yeah, then kind of like yeah, a bad was, taste in the mouth sort of thing. We
1: still had 75 minutes to score. But the fact, it shows we could have played three more days and not scored because the goalkeeper, Lawrence Thomas, is a good friend. He um, he got mad in the match. So it goes to show that, you know, we did have a great team, but
0: I also got to experience a a great personal life living, living coastal. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um And obviously, from the Jets, you went to the Wanderers, uh, back out to Western Sydney, where basically it all began, obviously, because you're from Blacktown area. Obviously, that's not the Wanderers area. It's still Western Sydney. Um What was it like going back to, you could say, the old stomping grounds, to, for lack of a better term?
1: Well, every time I went back home to see my parents and my family, you know, I'll go through the streets, but you're on holidays. You don't really... Monitor the traffic, you don't monitor all these other yeah. things. Like, oh, that's something, yeah, you yeah, whatever, like you're on holidays. But when I went back and we found a place to live, and it was in the West, so you know, the driving against traffic, I, you dictate it's like Newcastle, it's three minutes away, it's actually a minute and a half. Here, it's like you, your life determines on where the traffic is going to be and when you should leave early and whatnot. But then actually seeing it, I was like, man, this has just grown massively from when I left in 2006. And, you know, you get used to it. I was born and raised around the corner from the training facilities, which is out in Rudy Hill. So it was was interesting because I got to see people from school or people that, you know, I met once or played with or whatnot. And it was kind of – it was cool but a bit interesting because you just – you know, some people aren't – I wasn't that good of a player in the youth. Yeah, okay. Career as they would say, but I always say football, any sport, doesn't mean anything if you don't persist. If you don't oh, absolutely. And the players that you least expect end up having a great career. And I was definitely one of those. And you actually see, I wouldn't say jealousy, just a bit more like you I, that should have been me to a lot of yeah, people. Yeah,
0: gotcha, okay. At
1: that level, a little that bit that of dissent sort of thing somewhat. Yeah, because there was a lot of good players in my generation and I was like, man, there's no chance I'm getting in front of these because they're already considered... Up there, yeah, but I said screw it, I'll figure it out myself. And now that I was there and I'd done what I'd done, and you know, that part there was a bit interesting, but all in all, it was just a great experience, you know, being back in the area, you know, get to see my parents more, get to see you know, family and all that. I'm married, um, you know, I got to see
0: Sydney to be honest, yeah. I had no idea about Sydney, even though I'm from there, I didn't. Well, you are from there, but you're from Western Sydney. You're not from the yeah. CBD sort of area. No, nah,
1: yeah, but I don't even know the CBD.
0: I knew nothing about Sydney.
1: Uh, my wife
0: knew more about Sydney, and she's a Melbourne
1: girl. So <laughs> wow. I got to experience that, and that was, um, you know, that was it was great the first year. I would say up until COVID hit, which definitely dampened the whole world. Not oh, just the whole, every world, sport, everyone, no, everywhere, everyone. Yep. You know, you're thrown on JobKeeper, all this stuff, and I just say, well, look. It is what it is, you know, just stay healthy, people around you healthy, just try to keep, stay sane, as you would say, just going, you know, it's a break. Yep. And that's what it was. And then, you know, the coach got fired halfway in. The other coach was my assistant coach at Melon Victory as well, JP, Dean Marini. And it was, we're going in the right direction. COVID hit, you know, kind of didn't get to the finals. And then here I am, it's a break, there's nothing to do, we're just chilling out. Um, you know, it's COVID, all that stuff, and um,
0: then they brought in a new coach,
1: and that's when it all changed for me at the
0: club. Yeah, and then obviously at at one point you got a call, or probably an email, or something of interest from Melbourne City, and obviously going back to Melbourne, but not for the not for Melbourne Victory. What was that like?
1: Well, my wife was pregnant at the time; we were expecting our first child, and um, this was. Because the season had started a bit later, and this was like end of December, start of January. And that's where all the crap started happening in the club with the coach and whatnot. And like I was iced out in Romania, I was iced out there as well. And I did the same thing. The club still, till today, didn't understand why. Um, but coach had something against me. And I was like, well, if you don't want me, get rid of me. Like, tell me at the start of the season. Don't tell me when the clubs are all full and I've got nowhere to go, and I have to stay here. It was kind of, I don't know what it was, I even spoke to C, I spoke to everyone there, and everyone just felt sorry for me, and I went, you know what, I don't care. It is what it is, I'm not letting the birth of my first child, I didn't know what we are having, to you know, ruin this, and it did kind of leave, it did leave a very sour taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I hated going to the club, even though I put on a fake smile, I hated going there, which is not the way I wanted, it was never me, like me to do that. Um, but I went, and trained hard, which I wasn't considered the best trainer. Yep. I trained harder than everybody else. I gave him no excuses to not play me. We weren't winning, so when he did randomly put me on, I performed well. Then back in the grandstand. so I hated it. And then I got a call from the coach of Melbourne City, which was Patrick Kisnorbo. Yep, Patrick
0: Kisnorbo. and uh,
1: they—they're yep. winning. they were playing very good football. And they still I looked, are.
0: <laughs> Well, they're still out, but he was, a,
1: he was the start of that journey. And Absolutely, I like, look, yep.
0: i go, like, PK, I would love to. I would have come yesterday. I was going to say, was. as a Leeds United fan, it's amazing to see Paddy Casnabo do so well as a coach in Australia. Sorry. Yeah,
1: like,
0: everyone underestimates him, man, but he's so. He just has a style that works, man. He gets
1: like, it. He gets it. He, this one for, I know we're, we're changing the topic, but with coaches, they played football or they played the sport, yep. right? When they turned coaches, it's like they forgot how it was to be a player, and the generations changed. So what we did, you know, when PK played, you can't expect the same players to be doing the same thing because the mentality changed. We would go for a drink. You go and get, get smashed. Kids are on their phones. Players are on their phones. They're more interested on that stuff. So you can't expect them to come set the same rules as what we were putting when we played to these kids. Yep. Like, you can't drink for six weeks. I don't drink now because back then it was more of that type of culture. Yep. Everything's changed, and PK got it, and yep. he, um, that's why they were where they were. And when he called me, he goes, I would love to. I, don't, I just don't want to be here. I'm happy to not even go to training anymore. I don't want to. I am was done. Yeah, I um, was done. I think there was two more months in the season there. But
0: over time, my agent. Go, I'll go for free. I, go, I really don't. You know, I'll go now. Like literally, put me on a plane and take me there now. Yeah, of.
1: and even and then um. Oh, uh, but I'd love to. The only problem is my wife is due today. Yeah. Yeah. Like and, she was um, ready to go sort of thing. She's ready. We can't just go because any second it can happen. Unfortunately, my son, well, the baby took, stayed in there for 10 days longer. He was still brewing. Okay. And, um, in that time, obviously, there was a rumor that obviously I knew where he came from. It came from the coach that I was a
0: bad egg. That's why I wasn't playing. He heard uh, about uh. It. All these ah, sorry, that's not a, That's not you, that's just a frustration for you,
1: yeah. And I and playing football for this long in this country, and I was like, Are you serious? And it, it didn't bother me that he said that's that. even more of a sour taste. Well, he was for me, he was a salesman, he sold himself that well that he got a gig at a club, right? Yes, yes. But when reality pushed, when reality hit, he was crap. Yes. Um, but people in the football world believed him about me. And that's what pissed me off, to be honest. Yeah. I was like, "What has that got to do with the fact that I want to win?" In the change room, you see me. I'm the first one there, last one to leave, mate. If I'm not in a good day, which I'm happy every bloody day, yeah, I think that's actually true. Why I'm not playing?
0: If I'm not playing and we're not winning, hmm, maybe the coach has got no freaking idea. I was just saying, yeah. if you were a, if you were a bad, you know, egg as much as everyone claims, you you said you wouldn't be smiling every day.
1: No, and I'm not that type of person. I
0: don't have, I don't believe, no, I'm chill, like you said at the start of this. I'm you really chill. are. You're one of the most chill people because we, yeah. anyone who's listening, really? we, we actually had a good 10 minute chinwag before we actually started recording, just you know, getting to know each other. It was really fucking chill. So you're really not a uh, uptight, oh, like you're not an asshole. So I, I don't get no. where that coach gets off on saying well, that. He needed to cover his ass of why he wasn't playing me.
1: So and why Wanderers were doing so badly? Yeah, well, they're doing so badly, but Daniel's not playing because he's part of the issue. I'm not. I'm in the grandstand. now. What issue am I doing? Uh, you know, I'll stuff it. i going go have a meat pie in the grandstand.
0: Just like, if if you were part of the issue, and you weren't being played, you wouldn't be in the grandstand supporting the team. You'd be at home on a game day instead of actually rocking up in the grandstand.
1: Well, I was always my. That was my job. That was what I was doing, and I never considered it a job. But mm-hmm. at that time, I had to be there contractually, so it turned into a job. And I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. I wasn't in a good place. I always said, over that white line is when you're having fun. Yeah, My life outside of the field was great. Wife, kid, all this happening. The field was my issue, which out of my control. And that's what pissed me off. And I don't, after going through that career that I had, to go and to be in this state, I was like, you know what? You don't deserve it." it. I deserve it. I mean, you know what just right at the end of the season and that's it and then anyway Son was born and then they started doing investigations on if this rumor is true and all this crap and Anyway after like a week I said to my agent, I couldn't give a shit man. I'm done I don't really care finish of the season if something comes something comes um, You know, I'm just I just want to get out of here and it eventually happened I actually gave up, but I don't care. He goes, do you want to go? I don't care anymore. I'd love to be there because I heard the boys are a good bunch of boys. It's still football. You know, I love Melbourne. My wife's from Melbourne. It's probably better for her to be in Melbourne than it is in Sydney with a a brand new boy. With a son, sorry. I'll do it. it it." Anyway, we fell through. Uh, Sorry, It it went through. Um, We moved across. I think my wife was like, Gave two weeks. This is where I'd say I didn't even worry about me. I was worried about my wife. She gave birth two weeks later. I had to fly there for a medical. She turned the car on with my son and my mother in law and she drove to
0: Melbourne.
1: Yeah, well. Wow. She wanted to get out of Sydney and stayed there. Those two months was great. Um, enjoyed it with the team and you feel the boys and you know, the, they won the league. Yeah, we won the minor premiership. And then my contract had ended and they won the grand final. It was all great. But I saw it in myself that I was done. Um, yep. When I would win a title or a medal, don't you won't find me for a week. I'm partying. I'm having fun. You know yep. what I mean? I literally end up in Vegas. Uh, you yeah, have fun. Yeah, we won that title. and I went home. Yeah, um, that showed me to me that I was done. But I still had that hope that I could still play because yep. my body was fine. I'll fix my body up to be able to play and all that crap. But during that time, my agent finding club and all this stuff. It just, I went for a run. I go that was nice. The next day, I can't be bothered. So it was something that I had to do, which you can tell wasn't natural for me.
0: And yeah.
1: so I ended up getting a contract, um, and I said, no, thank you. Um, I'm done. Yep. 33, I said, can't train me up here. I don't want to go to training when I want to go play with my boy every night. Yeah. All, game and all that stuff. So I had an offer, done, and I didn't want to play again.
0: That's fair enough, and you don't owe anyone anything at this point, like at that point in your career, because you've done so much for the sport and everything in general. So I absolutely get that. And then obviously, twenty twenty two comes along, and you're with Inter Lions. Uh, what's that like?
1: <laughs> that was um, that was interesting. So when I stopped, in Melbourne City I had no ambition, no anything. And I remember Luke Wilshere was a coach at Melbourne Wolves. Yep. And we're on the couch about to go on air, and he goes, "Hey, man, do you want to play?" And I went, what? Play what? And he goes, soccer. I need a right back. I go, mm, it's I'm not, not as mad.
0: intense as the A League, I guess. So, um, not- <laughs> I
1: said, I go, not really. I go, let's finish what we're doing here now. It was a halftime show. I go, let's do our punditry gig and then we yep. can talk after. So then we caught up and I pretty much just said, look, I'm starting my academy. I'm, I'm, I'm busy with that. We've got Channel 10. I go, I don't really care to play, I've got no drive for it. Um I anyway, caught up, we had a chat, met the owner, lovely bloke. He goes, mate, whatever you want, come. And I just said, look, I can't come to training. It's in Wollongong. Yeah. Uh, Luke understood. Uh, I'd come to the games, maybe one training session a week, but I, I retired from that. Well, I'm not, I'm not striving to win anything. I don't have, you know, wasn't money-driven. Um, yeah. I could have, whatever it was, even here in New South Wales, NPO, the only thing which I found funny was, which frustrates me, and that's why I chose probably lions, which were Division 3, MPL 3 they were. You'd think going into semi senior professional, that it would be a bit more lenient. Yeah, a
0: bit more of a step-down sort of thing.
1: They will be telling me what to do.
0: Oh, now, I'm not being arrogant or no. saying
1: I know more than everybody else, but if someone had a career like myself or someone that played at a certain level, you wouldn't like you'd trust the person would know what he's doing. He's yeah, not taking the piss. Absolutely. And being in the academy system, and obviously starting and hearing all what they do out there, and when they start a few, I've got a few phone calls, and I was like, "Then I ain't got an on MPO one. I have to go and train." Really, I've been training with a dog for fourteen years. They're going to say if I don't train, I only get to play. It's got nothing to do with training. It's got to do with understanding. Yeah, and. I didn't want to take someone else's spot that has ambition to. Absolutely. So no disrespect to Interline, we they're in Division Division 3. And when the TDA called me after registrations were closed, everything, and I just said, look, our academy's there. Won't have time to train because we've got other locations opening up. Busy in that sense. He goes, look, just get us promoted. Okay. We ended up finishing first. So we got promoted. Um, but that was pretty much the only reason, and people were like, "What the hell are you doing, going there?" I said, "Well, firstly, I've respect from them. Yep. Secondly, which people forget, I can go make more money elsewhere. I go, but I don't know them. Yeah. And I don't know who they are. I don't know. I hear what people do in that world, which is semi-professional. I go, really. I go, it'll probably frustrate the hell out of me, like Carl Robinson did. Of people that think they know to tell you what to do." And
0: I just was done with
1: it. I yeah. uh, said so I'm not interested in it. Uh, the people here, you are just want to play
0: football to play football, have fun. Yeah. And the
1: first thing I told the coach and the TD, I said, John and George, I go, if I'm an issue because of my stature, I am. I, go, I won't come. Yeah. I go. I don't want to just. I don't want to ruin the change room by me not being able to be trained there or people looking at me or I'm intimidating or anything. I go. It won't happen. And they go, don't be silly. I go, no, no, this is how I am. I go, I'm not going to cause disruption in this club yeah. because of this. I go, it doesn't work that way. They were absolutely supportive. They were respectful and still to today. And that's why they asked me again to come back. I said, yeah, I enjoy it. I'm not doing anything else. I've got now two babies under two. Yep. I ain't doing anything on a Saturday night. Um, yeah, yep. so it, I'm still playing football. I'm enjoying the game. Um, know,
0: regardless of what level. I yeah. look at the A-League and I go, I can probably still play there now. Yeah. But you're like, no, nah, I don't have the desire, which is fair enough.
1: No, I can't be bothered getting my conditioning levels to that level to go and prove myself, right? Yeah, because um, you've but already but proven I've, yourself. Like, Well, that was it. That was it.
0: And, but you don't uh, have anything to prove.
1: When you have nothing to prove, you still look for something else to motivate you. I'm yes. no Ronaldo or Messi. Uh, you know, I don't have that stature, but i look at it on my personal self and be like, man, I'm happy with what I've done. I'm content yep. with what I've done considering all the hurdles I had to overcome. And I said, I'm, I'm done. I'm happy with, I'm happy. I'm content. And that's probably why I'm so chill because I'm content. But yep. if I signed another contract to go and win something, I'm 33 trying to win something. I should have already done it in my years and yep. which I'd already done. And, Funny enough, the contract that was offered to me was for the Mariners.
0: Oh wow! And may yeah. I ask, obviously as a Mariners fan, um, why obviously you turned it down because you were so uh, com- you know comfortable mm-hmm. with your decisions and whatnot? Um, who approached you? Was it Monty himself, or was it a, uh, an executive? Like, how did it all come about from the Mariners giving you an offer?
1: So Ken Shemry, who was okay. running the department
0: back then, yep. he's the bloke that cut me at Blacktown Demons oh. years before. Uh, so was it a little bit of a you have the power to say no at this point now? <laughs> yeah. So my agent called me and he
1: goes, you know, Marin is interested, but Ken doesn't want you because of this rumor. Yeah. Happened twice. Happened twice. Yeah. Um, third time comes and I was like, mate, I'm not getting knocked back. Uh, I don't, it's, it's belittling me. Yes. I'm not, you know, I'm not that desperate for it. I would love to think about it, but this was over a good five, six week period. And we had a Zoom chat and I said, and Ken apologize, you know, like this was my thing. And I go, look, Ken, disappointing thing is I've known you for 20 years. You know the career that I've had. You can ask everybody around, and you probably have. And yet you still made that decision. Okay, it actually disappoints me. Yeah. And uh, Nick Montgomery was on that zoom chat as well. And he was a top, like very professional. He goes, I want you I want the experience, I want, you know, you're that piece because we've got a lot of young players, etc. And I just they gave me the offer and the next day I sent them a nice message. I, go, I really appreciate it. Um, it's a lovely gesture, but my interests lie elsewhere um, with other things that I'm doing. And Monty called me straight away <laughs> and he goes, if I approached you six, seven weeks ago, would you have taken it? And I said, well, my headspace was definitely different six, seven weeks ago than what it is now. I like can change a man. And we're in COVID. We're in Melbourne. We're in a lockdown. Sorry. And he goes, <laughs> <laughs> I go, look, you never know. I go, my wife, when I told her Mariners, she was searching up rentals near the waters. Well.
0: <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, the Central Coast is a lovely place. Um, yes. but it's yeah, now that's fair enough. It wasn't to be, so I will definitely clip that little bit and make it the what could have been and post it to Mariner's Facebook groups and stuff. So yeah, be like, we almost yeah. had him. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. It was. It would have been funny. I would have had that, you know, from Melbourne Victory to Melbourne City. Then I was at
1: Newcastle on the Central Coast. Yeah. I'm hopscotching to piss off a lot of fans. Um, but no, it was, it was a great gesture. And I appreciate it. Whatever it was, um, if it was at a different time, then yes. But you, when you have time to think, time to get into certain self-reflect and, you know, interests then of course it would change. If you pull football in there, if it's not my number one priority, then yes, but you can't half-ass professional football. I don't care what you've done in, I don't care what career that you've had. You can't half-ass it and I would have half-assed it. So respectfully, I said my mind's not totally there to be for your team every day and train and play because it's not fair to you, it's not fair to the players, it's not fair to football in general.
0: Well, that's fair enough. Um, so we've covered... The-
1: I've played to be able to pick and choose <laughs> like that as well. I know that, but my head wasn't there.
0: That's fair enough. Um, and so we've covered the career sort of aspect of things. So now it's time to get into some quick fire questions and then a few final one- final thoughts and questions to mm-hmm. wrap up the interview episode. First of all, Apple or Android?
1: Apple.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: No, um, no. I was, on- in- I was on Android two years ago. Yep. I loved it. Uh, the Samsung loved it, but everyone I know that has an iPhone and
0: iMessage. That's literally it. the reason I, I started with iPhone was all of my connections and contacts, whether it's football or podcast or stuff, like 97% of them have iPhone. It's just so much easier to iMessage. Um, but I do
1: prefer the Samsung. It was the phone, the, the camera and all that. It's just that everyone else is an issue. So I do
0: Oh, I definitely, on the same, I have an iPhone, but I prefer Windows computers, so I, I absolutely get you. Uh, what's your favourite food? Everything. Yeah? <laughs> um, Fair enough.
1: Food Can't go wrong with a meat pie.
0: Yeah, no, nah, absolutely. This uh, is you... spaghetti,
1: yeah. no, can't. I love every, every type
0: of food. Man. Yeah, nice. What's your favourite drink, whether it's an alcoholic beverage, a fizzy drink, what's your favourite drink?
1: Um... Now that I'm retired, I can have whatever I want. Yep. I stick with water most of the time. That's probably why I'm not – I don't have a belly on me. Yep. Um, Vanilla Coke. Yeah. Glass of wine. Okay. Yeah.
0: And obviously, um, speaking of drink, what's your coffee order? It's the latte one sugar. Yeah, fair. The other day I I had a guest. What is this uh, almond locker crap? I was literally about to say I I had a guest on the other day and he said – can't remember what it is, but it was like an almond milk latte with something. I'm like, fancy.
1: <laughs> you can slap yourself in the face if you have ordered that, right? just straight up.
0: Right, and... like, geez, mate. Um, I get soy milk as a if someone's actually lactose intolerant or. De- I get that, but no. <laughs> um, so, what's your favorite movie of all time? Um, first thing that popped in my head was
1: American
0: Gangster. Oh, great film. That's the first actual. That's the first time a guest has said that. I usually get a lot of um, *Shawshank Redemption*, *Remember the Titans*, um, all those sort of ones. But oh, I even had one bloke say *Major Pain, which is a great film. What a, but, movie. Right? What a movie, right? All you may feel a life. little pressure. No, absolutely. My face or whatnot. I think I'm a
1: gangster. No, no, *American Gangster*. Just the way Denzel Washington and Russell Crowe in that movie. It's, oh, it's such a, a good film.
0: Uh, what's your favorite music? Um, I'm into
1: the R and B. The old school R and B, which my wife hates.
0: So like R. Kelly and Usher sort of old school?
1: And don't throw R. Kelly in there. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> no, no, I didn't mean in that respect. I meant the music. Not
1: no. Like I <laughs> well I was gonna be disappointed if she sees this, like Neo Okay. Uh, Nelly. Not so Nelly. So like Neo, you're probably like Chris Brown, all that stuff. Like I can play it in the background and it won't bother me. Yeah. But I don't mind the house, I don't mind all that other music.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, pizza toppings. What's your favorite type of pizza? Pizza
1: toppings. I used to always go for the chicken, but yeah. the chicken and that. I don't mind now when I order just safe, yep. um, capriccio but with no anchovies that's disgusting, yeah. Oh. But yeah, having pineapple,
0: just and I'll
1: get anything,
0: man. Yeah, fair. I mean, All right, so we've covered the quick fire questions. Um, during your time in, you know. Every club that you've played at, who was the biggest coach's pet? There were too many uh, wonders. Oh, really? Okay, don't need to name names, but there was basically a team full of coaches' pets.
1: There were, um, I used to call them the T the group.
0: I was going to say, are we, are we talking, now when we say coach's pet, I'm talking like brown-nosing level of coach's pets. I'm talking snakes. Jeez, okay. Yeah, big. Yeah, okay. That's, that's what made it even
1: worse, I wonder. Yeah, fuck. The change rooms suck. Sometimes you don't like the coach, yep. but the change room's cool. When your change room's... Toxic. Not, yeah, and there were a good four of them.
0: It, it, I hate to say it. It makes sense why they went from great to not great based on the change. Yeah, wow. Um, And obviously, at every club, there's a team pest. Who was the biggest team pest out of all the clubs you played at and why? <laughs>
1: Probably myself. I was, um,
0: like, even wonder, wanderers, I think all
1: the foreigners hated it. I used to like go to the bathroom in the morning. I'll be the first one there, have yep. my coffee, and I'll leave the door open. Oh. Yeah, because i just, you know just say hello to the boys. And all the foreigners are like, you're so stupid, man. What is this crap? Um, all the Germans and all that, they were funny. But um, I would say pest, but I wouldn't say in a negative way. Yep. I would say Archie was just Archie Thompson. Like,
0: like a prankster sort of thing?
1: Just We just had we just got along. So if yeah. I was a pest, he was a pest as well. You would
0: feed off each other's energy. Oh,
1: man. You know what the worst thing was? We had Bessar Brisher in there, who's a straight <laughs> 180, Yep. fucking eye on the ball. And then you have us two that are just piss-fighting around and having a laugh. So I feel yep. sorry for him, but we knew respect for this is his game day ritual and the way yep. he was, which I respected totally because... Whatever I'm going to say, there are
0: some pests that try and fuck with players' pre-game rituals, which that actually brings up a good question. Did you have any pre-game rituals?
1: I did in Europe until, I, until I guess, the first year in Romania yeah. um, because we had so many bloody games, man. We had a, literally a game every three. Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, Thursday, Sunday. It was, it was full. Of, that, that's what football was. That's yeah. what the beauty of it was. You know? You're playing, you're going in other countries. I had like, you know, put this sock on, that sock on, this tape, start on this one, go on that one. But when you're playing them all the time, honestly, you just go through the motion and you don't even know what the hell it is. And if anything, go into the toilet about three times a day on game. game. If that's a ritual, but um, yeah, and sometimes getting caught in the toilet at half time and running late to come out to the second half because you're still in the toilet, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay, that sounds... I I think it may have become a a habit thing, because I know one player in particular in the NRL, uh, very, very famous, uh, Steve Menzies, actually has... He's the third most... uh, He's got the third... Most tries in the history of the NRL, and he's a bloody forward second rower. He always had to take a pee in the when the two minute buzzer goes off in the sheds before the game, and it was awful. Like to the point where when there was a game where he was like honorary captain, he came out last instead of first because he was still taking the pee. It's like a um, sewer,
1: isn't
0: it? It's yeah. Like the, yeah. Um, exactly. Like one bloke I know, another one spewed every single time the two minute bell. The first one was from nerves. But literally, it just became such a trigger every time. He just wouldn't even be able to control it. It would just, he'd spew as soon as the two-minute bell would go off. Andrew Johns had something like that? Oh, I don't know if it wasn't him. It was Michael Crocker. But it could have been Andrew Johns as well. Like, a lot of players have stuff like that. It just, the first time it happens, it's pure nerves because it's their first game. And then it just, yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, I was um, was always one of
1: the last ones out of the sheds anyway. I just always took my time. Relax, then the, the whistle will get there. You know, it is what it
0: is. Just relax. Yeah. Get on the field and it's just a different mindset. It's yeah. that white line fever, as they say. Yeah. And I've got um, three or four more questions for you and then we'll wrap it up. First of all, which coach or person was the biggest influence on the player and man you are today?
1: Uh, I, I would just say one person that gave me the opportunity, which is mm-hmm. that like John Toshak. Um, a, from the pedigree he had as a football player in the early 70s or whatever he was, to as a coach, he gave me that opportunity to be on a platform. He put me on another platform by giving me an opportunity. Maybe for him it was just an option. There was no other option, so he put me on. But for me, he gave me that opportunity to go. And because of that, my career shines for those next couple of years to the end because of that. So for me, I would say him. Um, because he gave me that opportunity,
0: yeah, nice, that's
1: really awesome. And what um, a dude, as well, he lives in Monaco. He, you know, he was a very chill person. He, man, he was a coach around Madrid, like, yeah. Come
0: on. yeah, like it doesn't get much better than that. Like, if, that, if you ever have that sort of person, like the only best you could top that with is probably Pep Guardiola. Well, funny enough, we played a game. We played
1: Portugal in the World Cup qualifiers, right? And Ronaldo was playing. I, he put me on the bench. Anyway, and I remember at the end of the game, Ronaldo was cracking the shits because they, we, 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 it was 0-0. And we played a 35 5 2 which was pure block, right? I had to mark Quaresma and fucking Nani. It was, it, was, it was a great experience. And at the end of the game, I remember Ronaldo was cracking the shits. And in the change room, I asked why. Why, like, what well, you guys were back and forth. He went up to him. He goes, hey, because he Ronaldo goes, what is this shit format? You guys just parked the bus, we couldn't get anywhere. or well, he's one of the best players in the world. It's not not normal. And he goes, hey, see that formation? I scored 118 goals with Real Madrid with that formation. You only this year beat my record. Yeah for 20 years. Yeah well, I- like, what he just said, I go, wow. And and Real Madrid that year scored 125 goals. While well, he had the record with 118, but he said, "With that formation, I scored that many goals." So, don't blame the formation; blame the fact that you couldn't break this.
0: Yeah, wow! And I was just
1: wowed. Like, yeah, what a like,
0: yeah. break. Yeah, wow! That's because I was actually going to ask when you mentioned earlier that you played against Portugal if Ronaldo was in part of that, um, and that's amazing because he is in in one of absolutely the conversation for being one of the greatest of all time. Whether he is or not, I'm not sure, but he's definitely in the conversation. So that would have been an amazing experience for you.
1: Well, I'd suck because when he got subbed off, I was subbed on. So I didn't oh. get to be on the pitch with him. Yeah, uh, I did meet him years later in our victory, um, around Madrid, were in town, and I had a nice chat with him. I'll in oh, go into the steam into the um, jacuzzi, yep. in the hot, hot bath and ice bath. Then it was there. Oh, shit, it's Ronaldo. <laughs> just yeah. just, just there. I go, man, so what are you doing? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> just straight up. And we're just having a chat. But I think I get the I got to share of the field for a few seconds with him. But mm-hmm. just seeing him there being in the same, you know, presence of you Playing playing a game of football. And then funny enough, he came yeah. off and Kuresma and Nani came on, who were respectfully playing. I don't know where Koresma was at the time, but Nani was at Manchester yeah. United still. So whoever we were playing against, I was like, dude, they were just it was just an amazing
0: experience, so yeah. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Um, and so I've got three more questions and that's it. Uh, th- what are your thoughts on the APL and A-League, you know, grand final being in Sydney for the next few years, obviously? Um, I texted you about it the other day, but I just thought I'd get your thoughts and opinions on the podcast. Obviously, be as sensitive as you need to be or as loose as you want to be.
1: It's not that. Look, I understand the reason behind it. Mm-hmm. I understand it's a financial decision, which makes sense because funds or whatever they're making these decisions, it's not getting any better. But it's the way they did it, yep. which is amateurish. Yes. For me, was you've, Australia just came out of a great World Cup campaign, right? Obviously, this decision wasn't done yesterday, if you don't announce it today. Yeah. It was known for months and months and months. And you know what, to be fair, it makes sense. I wouldn't mind that actually being the whole preliminary finals in one state yep. because you will increase revenues and tourism and all that stuff, and they will pay. So it's a great thing. I think the NRL has it. AFL did it with Adelaide, um, one round. NRL have it in Brisbane. They do. It's called Magic Round, yep. There you go. So that makes sense, right? And it's people's reason to go to these states. And, you know, it's yep. sport. You go for sport. So that makes sense. But to throw it out into the public the way that they did,
0: yeah.
1: goes to show why well, football in this country is just staying stale. Um, because they're all smart people, they're big businessmen, whatever it is. One of them could have said, maybe this isn't the best timing. Yeah, because from a great experience, kids and we saw in our academy, they're jumping from AFL, NRL, all these codes, jumping into soccer because of the success of the soccerers, mm-hmm. and they're coming. And it's like, now you've just pissed them off even more. Like, why don't you let that wave be ridden a little bit longer and then say it or say it at the start of the season right? in yeah.
0: the World Cup. Why now? And that's what frustrated. Me. I'm like, you guys are all smart people. You're doing the right things but the wrong way about it. How can you be so dumb doing that? And that's <laughs> what I guess. Like for, for some smart Ooh. people, you
1: really do some dumb shit. Yeah, and it's like you're not in. We're not in the. We're not the, the football in this country. The A League, especially in this country. If AFL did it, it'll be rid. Of, it'd be like it. Yeah, Nor done. Yeah. it wouldn't be a scandal. It wouldn't be anything. No, soccer. The A League had the, the, the Melbourne derby that happened, and then this shit. It's like, man, someone please just have sense, some sort of sensitive brain to go. Let's not do it now. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's the only thing. For the reason behind it, I get it. It makes sense. It's smart. It's financial.
0: It's helping funding yeah. the
1: league, etc. Man, they have pissed off even the Sydney FC fans. they have pissed
0: off a lot of people, like even the ones that it's in their state. Yeah, even the out. ones that it's their home stadium sort of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah and, that, and, and, you know, it's logic. Sometimes common sense has to prevail, which it should all the time, and that's the only thing I could say. The decision to do it, well done, you know, you've got in that contract, whatever it is, but the
0: way they went about it, not good. No, that's fair. And last two topics, um, Stellar Academy, t- tell us about that.
1: Um, it's just my academy. My business partner and I, we run uh, training programs for clubs. We run, we run the only sanctioned academy called CBFI in the Canada Bay District. Um, it's in Concord. So we run these programs. Um, we run the academy sorry and stellar is our own private one where we go and you know from the players that we do have we go into tournaments we go into you know competitions and we're looking in the near near future to create our own tournament as well the stellar cup which we're looking to do in september but there's a lot of work it's not just football but it's just creating opportunities to kids that wouldn't have had that before and a lot of there's a pretty much academy at every corner Yep. Um, but to differentiate yourself like anything else, you know, I've played the game, I've been through it like we've just spoken for a while. Um, I know that I was never the best. Yep. I was the only one that kind of made it. So it was the
0: hardest work, the hardest work ethic, sort of. Yeah. Thing. And if you give that mentality
1: to kids and just those basic essentials, the fundamentals of football, man, believe in yourself. It can happen. You know, there's kids that can't kick a ball with a their right foot, they'll learn their left, you persist, you do it. And that's what we try to do. And Those kids, which will never have an opportunity, we give them opportunities to yeah. enjoy the game, regardless if you think it's going to be a career or it's just something that you love. For us, for me, it was always, like you said, I'm always just chilling, I'm always loving the game. I always had fun, which is our mantra. I have fun because with fun, you learn the most, you enjoy the game. Absolutely. Um, and change the narrative of what it is now of just it's a bloody job at 10 years old I, I bloody hate it so trying to do my part with the grassroots and you know give hope
0: now that's amazing to hear and my last question out of everything we've spoken about what's next for daniel georgevsky
1: um uh, that's a great question i never thought of that actually obviously um you know i still get a few gigs here or there with Paramount
0: Plus. thought um, oh, now that Stellar Cup possibility?
1: The Stellar Cup, there's always things to do. It's just creating a calendar now for us to know what we're doing. It's all, you have to do the groundwork. And like with our academy, we create a great environment. So when you create a great environment, the core, the core of a club, if everyone's built together, you get success. We create an environment, parents, kids, educate everybody they always want to stay there because they're learning and they're having fun. So the hard work is from the grassroots, like everything. Stella, it's the same thing. Um, honestly, with Stella, I just want to make, make it the biggest academy around with that environment, with the narrative of football's fun, and from there, give these kids opportunities to go overseas, go stay, in, go in the A-League, do, fulfill your dream. Um, Don't be a kid. I'm 35 now. I'm still a kid. So what's the difference? You can still do it. It's not unreachable. You just have to have the right mindset. And that for me is for the near future. For the future, man, honestly, you never know what tomorrow brings.